becomes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you grab just turns to dust. Like eye contact with a stranger straight around the corner. It's a dream that you get to make real. Instagram rolls. Oh, nice. Yeah, you always got to send the Instagram rolls, reels. <laughs> Otherwise, then you think about it later and you never find it again, know, you know? Exactly. Send it while you think about it. Hey. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Welcome to the shores. To the shores. Ah, <laughs> mm. So good. So, so good. Yeah. So you have a question. Well, no, I was curious. Like, as we sat down, we we're like, what are we going to talk about? And you and I ran through a whole bunch of stuff that we probably can't get into because we're not very versed on, or at least I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> we'll probably try anyway. We'll try anyways. Yeah. We like to give it the old college try. Um, no, I was curious. Like, uh, you know, do you like going to parties? Like, social interactions and stuff like that? Like, is that, is that enjoyable to you? Most of the time, yeah. Most of the time? Yeah. yeah. I, but I'm extroverted. Oh, okay. apparently, according yeah. to the personality tests. Oh, really? Yeah. Have I, you always know that? Well, I always thought I was introverted until I took these personality tests and they told me I was extroverted. And then I thought, yeah, that's, I think it's actually probably true. Yeah. I mean, I really like alone time. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not true. I like time with my core people. I get a little funky when I'm alone. That, that's true. Yeah. But I'm rarely alone. Which, you know, having kids will do that to you. <laughs> Very true. But yeah, no. <coughs> yeah, no. I, I do enjoy parties, but I will hit a wall sometimes mm. and be like, I need to leave now. I'm yeah. done. So like when you walk to, well, when you walk into a party, you're about to go to a party. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you like pump yourself up or, or is it pretty much like <laughs> it's <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so what do you, what, 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 is, what is, what's your like uh, frame of mind? Like whenever you're going to go to a party or a, a gathering of people more than Alice and I, <laughs> <laughs> um, generally my frame of mind is just be open, hmm. like smile at anyone who makes eye contact and say hello and ask them how they're doing Yeah, and see what comes from that. <laughs> And usually good things come from that. It's so weird. It's so much more complicated for me than that. Yeah. I was kind of hoping for a little more complicated answer than that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not a complicated thing. You just walk into a room uh-huh. and you look around. Uh-huh. And then if somebody's looking at you, you just say, hey. <laughs> <laughs> and then just notice something about them and be like, your shirt is like really white. How did you get it so white? You know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's whiter than the other shirt you usually wear. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I am talking about your shirt specifically. Yeah. <laughs> so I know you don't like parties. Yeah. You do like gatherings of core people though. Mm-hmm. Like when we hang out or like our families hang out, yeah. you enjoy those things. Mm-hmm. Although I do notice that like if there's, oh, there's that mosquito that's been. No, that's going to go away. Yeah. You're interrupting our podcast, Mosquito. <laughs> um, I was going to say, oh, yeah. So, like, if I feel like, you know, I'll have parties here at the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll notice that you generally will, like, find someone you can talk to and go to the backyard or something, you know, like, <laughs> so, steal them away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, for me, it's always... 
That's why I'm so curious. I, I still can't accept your answer, honestly. Mm. Like that, that sounds way too simple. What, what's an example of an answer that you were hoping I might give or imagined that I could give? Um, well, maybe like a more extroverted person than you, like you're extroverted, but like I think of like, you know, someone who's excited about all the possibilities and all the fun, like a Dave or something like that, you know, and all the people you could meet and like, it's, you there's know, definitely people who are more extroverted than me. Mm-hmm. A lot of them. Let's see. I like, even know like what's, what, what, what does Dave think about whenever he's going to a party or does he just not think he just kind of does it. You know, we've got to have Dave on the podcast because <laughs> I can't answer for that. I, he confuses me. Okay. Yeah. So for the listeners, Dave is a friend of mine that I've known for <clears throat> probably 25 years or something. And he is just the life of every party. Like I went to New York with him and we went, you know, neither of us knew anyone there. Obviously it's New York city mm-hmm. and, uh, <clears throat> every bar we went to, we picked up new people who just came with us to the next bar. <laughs> Like he just makes friends. Yeah. Like I'll, I can make friends, but he just makes friends. Like it happens as sure as gravity, you know? And they're usually like, from what I kind of understand, like I'm grabbing y'all stories and his <clears throat> stories is like, it always ends up being like the mayor of some Mexico city or <laughs> I think that's just a numbers game. Like when yeah. you make as many friends as Dave makes, it's like he ends up with crazy connections. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah like the head of the mafia in Guatemala. <laughs> it's like apparently a friend of his. <laughs> Were we supposed to say on the, on the, on the waves? I don't know. <laughs> That's hilarious. I'm not under a gag order. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. This kind of, it just, it, that sounds exhausting to me. Like, yeah. That sounds, uh, yeah, I guess I'm always kind of trying, I'm curious like how, how people, how people do that or what's, what's their, you know, motivation or, well, I think it is somewhat tiring Mm -hmm. because when you're surrounded by people you don't know, it's like you're using a lot of energy to confront all of that unknown, Mm. you know, doing a lot of like learning and categorization and, um, sorting and like friend or foe is this, you know, enjoyable or not. And yeah, that is tiring. Mm -hmm. And I do, it does tire me sometimes. I find more like as I get older, my, my appetite for that goes, has gone down. Mm. Like I'm more, more often than not these days. And maybe this is a result of like the COVID lockdowns too. Mm. Um, Like more often than not, it's like, I prefer to be at home Mm -hmm. probably because like my life is pretty full of responsibilities and at the end of the day or the end of the, the night or whatever, I just want to relax. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like you've already sort of expended your social energy at <clears throat> yeah, work and, right. and then with your kids and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Totally. Yeah. It's super fascinating. So you, do you pump yourself up before a social event? Uh, I have to focus myself. Like, what do you focus on? Um, like if it's like something for Allison, it's like, okay, I'm doing this for Allison. You know, like (laughs) (laughs) is it because it's a thing you don't want to do? You're like, I don't want to do this. So I've got to get myself in the headspace to do something I don't want to do. Yeah. Well, there's that too. So it's like, there's a, there's one part of it is, it's like, I know because of who I am, it's, it's good for me to do that. So I know that's like, it's more of like a good exercise that I need to do. You know, you might not want to go run in the morning, but 
it's just good to get up and go run. <laughs> so I kind of find that what feel that way about parties. It's just good to go. And plus it's like, I learn something every time, you know, it's right. like, um, but usually like, you know, at the first part of the party, I just kind of mostly observe. And then, you know, I'll probably catch one or two people and then we go out to the porch and talk. Yeah. I think that's why I like smoking is I can just like go out and smoke and mm-hmm. then I'll just, I just catch people as they come out and come in and come out. And right. I, you you know, can have your transitory interactions. And <laughs> totally. So you were there. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's super fascinating meeting people and I'm always, it's, it's kind of hard though. Sometimes whenever, you know, it's like small talk and stuff like that. Like, uh, I always like to find like what people are interested in, you know? And so, so that's kind of fun for me is like, but I can't do it with like a lot of people. It's like, that's why I like the one-on-one interactions is mm-hmm. like, you just kind of poke around if it's someone you don't know. And you're just like, what, where, where are you in all this? Like, yeah. that's what I'm curious about. I mean, I think something that I've learned at least for myself is mm-hmm. that social interactions are a lot more difficult when you care what other people think of you. Mm. Like one thing I've noticed with Dave when I'm out with him socially is he will speak to strangers like they're very familiar, (laughs) which disarms them. But Uh he'll also say things that I would never say to a stranger. Yeah. And he doesn't care whether people like him or not. Hmm. And everybody ends up liking him. You know, it's like Uh maybe, maybe it's like, (laughs) it's like a, a different version of like, um, Oh, I don't know how to make this analogy, but like hot girl syndrome, like, (laughs) You know, uh-huh. the the hot girl or the hot person. It could be a guy or a girl. Yeah, it's like he's got a hot girl syndrome. Well, but it's not based on him being a hot guy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's based on his like his personality. His personality mm-hmm. is so charming. Yeah, that it's like he doesn't know what it's like for people to not like him. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, and so he's never worried about whether or not anybody's going to like him. It's just sort of a given. Whereas, like, I tend to be either worried about what someone thinks of me or. Like when I was married, like if I was interacting with a woman, I was kind of constantly worried about whether or not I was, you know, being Uh, appropriate or acting in a way that might make my wife upset or, uh you know, I was always very conscious of like those lines, Mm -hmm. especially like when I used to play a lot more music Mm. live. Um, I was very careful about all of that. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. That's a whole nother dynamic. like the dynamic of <clears throat> well how you present yourself show. yeah or just just it just in general like how you present yourself like you know you know you know being married and like if you if you can come across to um maybe flirtatious or seem flirtatious or something like that and that sends the wrong message or something and uh <laughs> i was just thinking about this this story always sticks in my head um allison one time when i was working at jp's java coffee shop uh, before we started Medici and uh, have I told you the story? I don't Probably know. <laughs> I haven't said it yet. <laughs> you just started with JP's Java. <laughs> well, yes. He, <laughs> yes. Well, also one time asked me, he's like, so, so do other girls like flirt with you? And I was like, I don't think anybody flirts with me. Like I've, I've, <laughs> I, like, I, I have no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> anyway. So I remember one time at work and I was working and then also and also walked over to a bar and she was like, Hey, that girl was flirting with you. I was like, she was flirting with me. Like I had just no <laughs> clue that she was flirting with me. I was like, yeah. huh. So that's what flirting is. Well, even though I was trying to run, I remember this because I was trying to run back in my mind. I was like, well, what did that look like? Yeah. And, and, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't pick, I still couldn't pick it out. Like, mm-hmm. like what that, what that looked like, you know? Uh, I mean, I'm sure if it was over the top, I probably could, you know, it's like, but, uh, 
but yeah, that like, there's definitely like all those social cues. It's like, if you're single or if you're married or, you know, you're available or not available. <clears throat> yeah. Know? And if you're not paying attention to those cues, cause you don't have a reason to pay attention to them mm-hmm. then you probably don't see them. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. It's super fascinating. So what's the value for you in parties, social interactions? Uh, I'm not so interested in those. I like, I, I really enjoy like our dinners that we have, like where there's five or six people, maybe eight. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think kind of like what we've done is it's really a table and everybody's listening to the person talking, you know? So it's just so fascinating to me to see that sort of interaction when people are like, aware and, and thoughtful and like being able to have a dialogue, but it's not like the table splits in two where there's two conversations happening. Right. Like I, that's something like, I, that's why when you get past six or eight, like eight's almost kind of, you can kind of see, see a table split, you know, mm-hmm. but I like, I like how seeing everyone reacting and interacting with one person's thoughts or idea and then adding to that or, or maybe challenging that idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just so much fun to see that because I think there's a, there's a lot of thoughtfulness that comes out of that sort of pause and patience and, you know, talking unless you have James raising his hand the whole time, <laughs> it gets distracting, but we love James. <laughs> He's great. Uh, so I think, I think those types of environments, like I, again, but I could talk to a room of a thousand people, you know? Um, but like if you're talking to them, like lecturing or something, yeah, like lecturing, like that. That doesn't. That doesn't. I'm not. That doesn't bother me at all. But I mm. definitely. I don't want to go to a party where there's a thousand people. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, I heard someone explain <laughs> this too. Is like, especially probably for more introverts, is that introverts tend to be okay with public speaking in some regards, um, but it's it has to do with like it's a controlled environment. You know, if they're on the stage and they're speaking. And so it's like, it's, it's, it's controlled in a way that it's, it's there and I'm here. It was a separation, a separation, like being behind the bar at Medici or when I was behind the bar and also JP's is like, it's like, I really, I probably came across as very extroverted, but it was because it was a kind of like a safe place of like a theater. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm creating a show for people. Well, and you know how conversations start and end. Yeah, totally. You know, like, and if you mm-hmm. want a conversation to end, it's like you get back to work or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Or whereas you know, the next a, customer comes up, you're like, oh, I gotta go. Yeah. yeah. Whereas at a party, it's like, <laughs> it's like that clip of Will Ferrell and uh, Ricky Bobby. What, what was that movie? <laughs> oh, uh, Tell it, Tell it again. Tell it again. Nights. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he's talking and he does, he's like, I don't know what to do with my hands. And he keeps raising them up into the frame. And they're like, just put them down. <laughs> but I feel like there is that sort of element when you're at a social party, like a party uh-huh. party, mm-hmm. you're kind of like, Whoa, what do I do with myself? You yeah. know? And like, I'm in this conversation. What if, what if this conversation gets awkward and, <laughs> you know, I don't know how to leave. Do I just turn around and walk away? And, you know, <laughs> so, like I find that most people who are really good at those social situations are really good at ending conversations. <clears throat> like they can, in a way that doesn't feel awkward or isn't offensive or whatever, just be like, I don't know how they do it. I'm not very good at it. Mm-hmm. Like they'll just somehow naturally end the conversation, you know? Yeah, totally. Whereas I, I feel like I'm, I'm a little bit more like, I don't know. I don't know how to end the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think that you are more that way than I am. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a, it's like, how do you, how do you move on or how do you, 
like, okay, I can tell this person wants to move on. Yeah. <laughs> How do I allow them to do that? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, there's always the great, you know, like, oh, you know, a drink. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like you're chugging your beer. <laughs> Which is another reason why I think people like to smoke. Because mm-hmm. it, it gives you a structure. It's like, mm. well, I'm going to end the conversation to step out and smoke. Yeah. You know, or I'm done smoking, so I'm going to step back in. Mm-hmm. Or, you know the end of the cigarette is, is a cue. It's like a social cue. It's a, it, the whole thing is a structure. Yeah. Just like the bar and the making of the coffee mm-hmm. in the coffee shop is a structure Yeah. O- over which you can lay social interactions. Mm-hmm. And the less structure you have, I think certain personalities really thrive mm. with that lack of structure. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. And I can, I have to, I just have to be in the right mood. Mm-hmm. And I have to have quite a bit of energy. Yeah. Yeah. Like when we were in Mexico, you just went off and, <laughs> but that was only one night. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So to fill that story in when we were in Mexico, I think, uh, I don't remember if we've talked about this before, but we went to an all inclusive, you and I, Michael and I went to an all inclusive resort in Mexico. Our friend Dave, the extrovert who we were talking about was supposed to go. And then he ended up getting COVID and didn't go. So it was us two only alone. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like the first four nights, I think we both kind of felt like we didn't know what to do with ourselves. <laughs> and finally, I think I just had had enough. And it was like the last night we were there and, uh, a gay couple that had, <laughs> was hoping that we might be interested in them. <laughs> um, it, like started talking to us and I ended up making friends with them. And then I saw them later one night and just decided I'm going to go and talk to them. And then they were kind of that extroverted personality. And so a bunch of people gathered around them and I was just like, I'm going to meet all of you. I'm just going to shake all your hands and look in your eyes and smile. And like that turned into, you know, a full night, a full night <laughs> till three in the morning with yeah. a bunch of people that I just met. And mm-hmm. that was really fun. Yeah. But it took, like, I can't walk straight into that somehow. Mm-hmm. It took a few nights of kind of being, you know, doing something different and then getting a little bit fed up and being yeah. like, I'm going to, I'm going to lean into something that's unnatural for me. Yeah. Like I went on the dance floor and danced, <laughs> which is also a bit unnatural for me. <laughs> uh, but I was like, you know, when in Rome, well, that's a great thing. When I mean, just Playa del Carmen, all the different types of people, like, you know, even, uh, Luis, the, that guy, you know, it's like super like what do you call it? A magnetic person. You know, it just, yeah, he's one of the guys we met in yeah, Mexico. Yeah. Just drew people to him, you know, and, and he would also draw himself to people, <laughs> you know, but it's just fascinating to like, like I always wonder like, how do those people do that? You know, it's like, they just, they just do it. And <clears throat> super fascinating. Yeah. How do they, I mean, it's like, I know how they do it. <clears throat> I think, or at least I can hypothesize like one aspect of it is, is I don't think they really care mm-hmm. whether or not you like them or, or whether the act, the interaction goes well, <laughs> they're completely willing to be shot down or whatever. You totally. know, so like when he, when he realized that we weren't gay, he was like, Oh, Oh, he was oh. like, and you could see him shift gear. He's like, Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah, then, you know, <laughs> so, you know, and started talking about something else. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So like the ability to gracefully shift between, categories and topics Mm -hmm. I think is, is what another aspect of it. Totally. No, that was really, that was a really fun interaction. Like he was definitely like, 
And then he kind of connected us to a bunch of other people too, mm-hmm. even at the pool, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, I was even talking to a bunch of people. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, which is, which is hilarious. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we want to spend too much time on this part. I was just curious about like how or why or what, what goes through your head when you go to a party or, you know, are you attracted to certain women that are more extrovert or introverted or what's Hmm. excluding your current attractive attraction, but just in general, I don't know. Yeah. I think I tend to, I think, well, if I just think about the women that I've dated, I think that I tend to be attracted to women who are pretty close to where I am on the extroversion scale because like, I don't really want, I'm not very attracted to somebody who's super introverted Mm -hmm. and the super extroverted is too much for me Mm -hmm. in a, in a, an attraction, a a romantic attraction. Cause it's like, if I'm going to be compatible with that person, we've got to go out and do things cause I want to go out and do things, but also like, when I'm done, you also kind of have to be okay with being done. Mm -hmm. And then there's some push and pull. Like sometimes with that person, I go past my limit because they're not at their limit, Mm -hmm. you know, and vice versa. They'll go past theirs for me. And, you know, but I think those, those limits have to be close enough to where it doesn't break, break the, the thing, break Mm -hmm. the relationship. Yeah. Cause you do seem some instances where like some, uh, like just a guy will be with a very extroverted girl or vice versa, you know, Mm -hmm. like, like how is that? How yeah. is that even compatible? Which is really interesting. It's, yeah, it's confused me. I had um, some friends, a couple that I was friends with, where the the woman was very extroverted and the the man was extremely introverted, mm-hmm. and I never saw them socially. Mm. She was always going out. And he was always staying home, and I didn't understand how it worked. Yeah, but the, at least the other. They're married. Oh, well. yeah. Huh. So they they made it work. Yeah. I guess there's something like maybe in that instance, like being able to accept something in your partner that's different. Maybe because it's more glaring, you have to deal with it earlier, you know, Mm, too. Yeah. Or if you're more similar, you might not. Well, you know, maybe it it works too, because I think the very extroverted doesn't need their romantic partner in the extroverted mode Mm -hmm. because the extroverted mode kind of wants to jump from person to person and and experience to experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and the very introverted person probably appreciates the time alone. Hmm. So maybe if the, if, if the difference is extreme enough, it works in an understandable way. That's interesting. I I can see that. Yeah. It almost gives the extroverted person more permission to be extroverted (laughs) and vice versa. Vice versa. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That makes sense. Huh. Yeah, it's so funny. Like you, you have all those like sayings, like birds of a feather flock together, or you know, opposites attract. You know, where it's like, well, kind of both those things are true. You know. Yeah, which is why they're both idioms. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so neither of them are true, and yet they're both true. It's, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is fascinating. <clears throat> it's one of those paradoxes. Who is it? I think it's Brett Weinstein and uh, Heather Hying say. Mm-hmm. Like wherever you find a paradox, that's like an X on a treasure map. Mm. Something really interesting to look at there. Yeah. And I think it's because nothing is singular, Mm -hmm. you know, like you do birds of a feather do flock together, Mm -hmm. but then also individually they tend to maybe 
be attracted to the opposite because mm. we aren't necessarily well-rounded. Like we need and use relationship to augment our deficiencies. Mm. Yeah. I definitely see that in, uh, in business for sure. Like, like how, like needing different types of people. Like, uh, like one thing I've been really confronted with recently is just how, like needing that sort of people person that has more of those soft skills, yeah, you know, that can really maneuver that with more skill and dexterity than than I do. You know, it's like there's a lot of things I've learned over the years, and like I can function that way, but not as naturally as somebody who uh, it might come more naturally to. You know, right? Um, in fact, you think about. It, like my strength finder is like empathy and is like the last thing on my strength finders. It's like, yeah. Uh, but it's not that I'm not like not empathetic. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> I was about to say that. Like, I don't know. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. I mean the a common saying in entrepreneurship is like, know your deficiencies and hire there, mm-hmm. like hire, hire people to do those things. Yeah. Which I think is a, uh, an Achilles heel of mine in business is that I, like my number one strength finder is, is achiever. Like if I'm not good at something, I'm going to go get good at it. Mm-hmm. And I never really think to hire in, in place of my deficiencies or, mm-hmm. or delegate or outsource or whatever, Yeah, which is like a, it's a blessing and a curse, mm-hmm. you know? Um, cause I, I'm pretty good at getting good at things, mm-hmm. which means I'm good at a lot of things, but I'm not really great <coughs> at really anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and to get great at something, it's like, you can't be doing everything you've got to. And if you want to be successful, whether that's in business or, you know, in anything else, we just, just running a household, let's say, mm-hmm. you know, keeping your house in order and put together. It's like, you've got to hire out where you don't have the bandwidth because you, you don't, you don't have enough bandwidth to do everything. Which is almost why your job, current job is such a, I think such a, is so right on with your, your way. It's because you are sort of like a master or a, a master of none, great at everything, master of nothing. Mm-hmm. It's like, because you have that, you're able to manage these teams and all the various aspects of those teams, but they're the ones that are supposed to be the expert in their field mm-hmm. and you have expertise, but you have to rely on them to be the experts, you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. You just seem to, you seem to be thriving. So it's like, it, it seems like this is such a, this, this position really fits your, um, skill set. Well, it's challenging me. It's mm-hmm. challenging my skill set a lot because mm-hmm. I tend to want to do things myself mm. and I'm actually not really doing anything myself in this job. I mean, and I am, <laughs> you know, You're fired. Well, so there's a concept of individual contributor in, in my world. Mm-hmm. You know, when you've got, when you're working on software, let's say, and you've got, um, all kinds of different roles in that you've got visual designers and user experience designers, and you've got engineers, you have a front end engineer and a back end engineer, and you have a data scientist and you have a product manager and, <clears throat> you know, all these jobs and tasks that need to be get, get done. And, an individual contributor is someone who goes and executes against the tasks. Mm. Um, 
you know, and I haven't really coded anything or really designed anything or, you know, I do a little bit here and there, but that's not really my job. Mm-hmm. Um, it's harder for me to say what my job actually is, mm. even though I'm working harder and longer than I've worked in many, many years. Mm. Um, but that's all, that's also hard for me because I want to go just do the thing, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm working with people who's, who's, job it is to do the thing and it wouldn't be right i think for me to just be like well just let me do it you know it's kind of like <laughs> like i've had i've had girlfriends in the past like make this comment about me it's like we we whether we're cooking dinner or cleaning up dinner i tend to dominate <laughs> and push them to the side because it's like you're not doing it right uh-huh. which is just code for you're not doing it my way uh-huh. you know yeah. And I could tell you how to do it my way, but I'll do a better job. So I'm just going to do it. You know, that's not healthy. Uh-huh. It's no good. Yeah. Um, and part of that comes from me, you know, being like the, the single adult in my life, in my family mm-hmm. for the last six years. You know, I'm like, everything's my responsibility. So I'm taking full responsibility and I'm just doing everything. But it's not good. It's not good for my kids. And it's not good for, you know, <clears throat> a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And it's not good at work either. Yeah. You need to need to let other people contribute and everything's better when you do yeah well with le- learning this stuff about yourself now like how would you how what would you have gone back and done differently with your companies that you owned when you first kind of were starting off as an entrepreneur and stuff would mm-hmm. you could you kind of identify things or yeah yeah i think rather than trying to, you know, it's like that saying, that old saying, it's like, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, Mm -hmm. get everything, you know, do it yourself, which is really common advice to a young entrepreneur. It's like, you know, you don't need to go raise money. Mm -hmm. You need to hustle. You need to go heads down and work hard. Mm -hmm. It's like, if you're not working 80 hours a week, then you have no business going and asking for a million dollars from an angel investor or something like that. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and that's true. Um, but I think also at some point you do like you do, you need to stop pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and ask for help. And I think I would have recognized that earlier. And there's a couple places where I see that it's like one, I should have hired more hmm. and two, I should have spent more, spent more hmm. money. Mm. Like I was hesitant to spend money because I'm thinking I can just do everything myself and spend money, whether that's hiring or marketing or advertising or, you know, even like, um, server infrastructure was a big thing I was dealing with about seven years ago. And I just tried to do it myself and that actually ended up falling apart and it would have been better had I hired a person who was an expert at that Mm. rather than spending the, you know, thousand hours I probably spent trying to learn how to admin Unix servers. <laughs> sounds so crazy. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah, it's super crazy. And I enjoy, the thing is I enjoy it. It's like, mm. I enjoy learning so much. It's like, I don't notice when I'm being inefficient mm. in, in when I should just say, we need someone who knows this mm. to come solve our problems. And it's like, I can learn on my own time. I don't need to learn at the expense of the business, Yeah. but there's times when you do need to learn. And that's part of what, being an entrepreneur is. And so, you know, it's like when one thing switches from, when it switches from a, um, 
a benefit to a liability. It's hard to tell. And that's mm-hmm. the, the wisdom. And I think successful entre- entrepreneurs get that right either by instinct or luck, <laughs> accident. Or, you know, or by accident. Yeah. It's like, how do you tell the difference between the, the two? I don't know. Yeah. That's the truth. Huh. Yeah. It's like so many things you have to learn almost by, uh, by kind of messing them up and, and making mistakes. Yeah. It's like, in, and actually learning to listen to the people around you, like, Hey, you need this, you know, it's like, ah, whatever, you know, <laughs> you know, the, uh, a 30 year old listening to a 40 or 40, 50 year old saying like, Oh, my body, like, Oh, quit your whining. It's like, no, when you get older, you start to, your body starts to kind of talk to you a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, it's something that you don't really appreciate until you start going through it. You're like, Oh yeah. They knew what they're talking about. Well, yeah. It's like, we call that wisdom. Mm-hmm. I was listening to an interview with Robert Kawasaki mm. recently, the author of rich dad, poor dad. Mm. He's a really interesting guy. Um, he was talking about failure and how important failure is mm-hmm. and saying that failure is how you learn. He said, our, our modern education system gets it completely wrong because they say, you know, do a task. Oh, you did it wrong. You've, you've failed. And the th- that's not how the world works. Mm-hmm. You succeed only by failing first. And he, he said, Tiger Woods has shot more bad golf shots than I ever will, hmm. which makes him the best. Yeah. You know, cause he's, well, he's just shot by sheer numbers, so many more shots mm-hmm. and failed so many more times. He knows how to not fail. Yeah. I like that. And I think it's interesting sometimes, you know, I'm in a startup environment and a lot of my colleagues, a great many of them, um, this is not their first startup. Hmm. Some of them have exited successfully from past startups. Some of them not, you know, some of them started their own thing and realized it wasn't going to work or whatever. And I've had, um, you know, I've probably registered close to 10 LLCs (laughs) over the past 20 years. Um, you know, and they all failed Yeah. from, for one reason or another. And, and sometimes I get, embarrassed by that Hmm. and think, Oh, well, I'm not any good then. It's like, well, no, actually I have a lot of wisdom that came out of that because I know why each of them failed, Mm -hmm. you know, and I know to, I know at least how to avoid those things, you know, and maybe that's actually more valuable than somebody who started one startup and it was wildly successful and they exited for $20 million or something. It's almost more detrimental for that to happen. Like you don't get right experience because you don't know why it worked Mm -hmm. because you, you don't have the experience of failure to say what doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So you can hypothesize and be like, you know, well, it worked because we all worked hard or it worked because I've just got a killer instinct or it worked because, (laughs) um, Uh (laughs) you know, it was just a brilliant genius idea, Uh but you don't know. Yeah. You don't know why it worked. It's, it's much easier to say why something didn't work, mm-hmm. you know, and just process of elimination, narrow down what might work. Yeah. Did you ever have any mentors? No, I mean, not in any fish, official capacity. Okay. Which is something I always, well, especially when I was younger in my late, late twenties, early thirties was something I was kind of desperate for. I really mm-hmm. wanted a mentor. Yeah. And I had a couple relationships with some, some business colleagues, mainly 
older men that sort of I thought might be that, mm-hmm. but it never really turned into that. Well, let me ask you a question. Was it, I, I, uh, this is too, uh, black and white, but was it your fault or their fault that it didn't work out? Mm-hmm. I know it's too black and white because it's probably a mixture, but right. But I'd rather ask it that way. <laughs> uh, I, I think both. Okay. And maybe one observation is like, I, maybe this is sort of the, um, birds of a feather flock together. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, I probably tend to get along with and be very, um, productively inspired in conversation with people who are at least somewhat like me. Mm-hmm. And so I think that the the people that I had kind of w- hoped might be a mentor didn't think of themselves that way hmm. and didn't, and, and wouldn't consider actually being an official mentor because they didn't think that they had good things to offer, hmm. which I think is partly like kind of how I feel in yeah. a certain sense. Like I was watching <laughs> a friend of mine was posting something to Instagram, their story the other day about like this official mentorship program mm-hmm. um, that we're looking for people to mentor young, young kids. Mm-hmm. And they were saying that their needs were like 90, the, the mentees that they had were like 90% of them were men mm-hmm. or male and something like half of them were at risk of dropping out of high school or something like that. So they really were trying to pair mentors with these young men mm-hmm. And this person was posting this and saying, um, you know, specifically like men, and this person was like, and I know a lot of you are good men who are watching this. Like, if this interests you, please, you know, reach out and help or whatever. And Mm -hmm. I thought, yeah, I don't want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I had to pause and think, it's like, why don't I want to do that? Mm -hmm. And I think partly because there is something inside of me that says, well, you know, you're, you're a sham and you're, uh, worthless and Mm -hmm. you wouldn't do a good job anyway Mm. which is so funny because i just said a moment ago that i do a good job at everything that i do (laughs) so you know i don't know what that is in me but there's a conflict in me there and Uh i think probably the the people that i hoped might mentor me suffered from the same thing yeah so you know it didn't work out because i didn't ask Mm -hmm. you know and they didn't offer yeah I think one one time I asked, and the answer was no. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Did they say why? Some version of, uh, you know, I'm not the person. I'm not the person for that. Hmm. Don't have enough time or, yeah, you know, uh, don't have the expertise in your industry or, you know, kind of a, it's like a, it's not you, it's me kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really well. I, I, I don't see a lot of, like, I, I kind of have a similar experience to yours as far as, like, I don't find that there is a lot of mentor, unless you're going to sign up to a program or something like that, you know, it's like... Like, it doesn't happen naturally. <laughs> yeah. But it made me think about, too, as I as I age, it's like, I want, I want to do that, but it does take, I think it takes more effort on... I, don't know, I think this is something that <clears throat> I definitely would like to explore more because it's like I know a lot of people out there that you and I have experienced that sort of like I need some help. I don't know how to ask for it. I don't know what I need. I just need some help, <laughs> you know. And 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 a lot of times, especially with entrepreneurs, it's like you're not going to go to a mentor program. 
<laughs> you know, cause you're likely to be the kind of person who's like, I'm going to do everything myself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. I don't I actually don't need your help. Right. But inside you're going, I I'm going to be help. successful <laughs> despite you. <laughs> yeah. yeah right. Outwardly you're saying that, but inwardly so you're like, here's oh. an interesting observation. Like mm-hmm. I interview a lot of people mm-hmm. and I notice that a great many people, when I ask them, you know, like I'll ask a, a version of the question. So what are you excited about doing in your next role? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> or what skill do you feel deficient in that you hope you can improve in your next role? And a, a surprising, I would say majority of people will say they want to be a mentor, hmm. which is interesting because we're observing that almost no one is a mentor, mm. but that doesn't happen naturally or outside of programs. So I wonder what it is about people that wants to be a mentor until they're in a position to be a mentor. Or maybe it's because maybe there has been a lack of mentoring. You know, you know I, I kind of take it back to some of the conversations we've had before on the podcast where, you know, you have this sort of, um, baby boomer generation that hasn't really passed the torch onto the next generation. They're just sticking around in government positions and teaching positions and, you know, uh, corporate, uh, high hierarchies and stuff like that, that they're not really passing the torch to that next generation. So that sort of generation X may have that more, you know, lacking of mentorship. So you, so a possible explanation is people are saying they want to be mentors because they feel like they haven't had mentors Mm -hmm. and they feel that's been a deficiency in their life and they want to solve that for the next generation. Like it's, it's like a benevolent Mm -hmm. desire. Yeah. It's like, you know, if you know what it means to be poor Hmm. growing up, you know, you have a lot more incentive to go to a poor neighborhood and help, uh, Mm -hmm. or, you know, uh, you had a bad education or something like that, that you would have more incentive because you understand what it means and the needs that like those kids have. Um, I mean, I, I see that aspect in my, in my, in my thinking of that is like, I feel like I could, I could see and do that better because I think it's a lot of it is, is like, is in mentoring is that the mentoree doesn't feel like you're the mentor, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that there's a certain, cause like, I, again, I think that's why kind of I've shied away from these sort of mentoring programs is because it was a program, you know? And that's like, <laughs> and entrepreneurs hate programs. <laughs> I, maybe so. I don't know. Like a friend of mine invited me a couple of EOs, entrepreneurial organization. Um, and, it probably, it, uh, again, I, I'm more cynical in this area, so it's, pro- it's probably really great. I know it really helped my friend a lot, but it, it just felt, it felt so contrived. And again, I'm, I'm being very pessimistic, which I think a lot of people have very benefited from it. And, um, but maybe it's a certain type of person that really benefits from those types of programs, you know? Uh, so it's hard. So I'm not really talking shit on it. It's just mm. that. I think it's just personally, I tend to be dubious of programs in general. Mm. And maybe that's like an outcropping of just like the, the disillusionment with institutions in general mm, that sure. society is feeling, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I definitely have that. 
Yeah, it's like you, we definitely <clears throat> feel like institutions are fake or they're hiding something or there's an inefficiency and they want you to be a part of the, the cog in the wheel, you know, right. in order to keep this thing going so that the institution itself can function, not really help you or right. uh, like they just want your $5,000 to be a part of this EO mm-hmm. <laughs> and you get to do all these, you know, retreats and stuff like that. <laughs> you know, it's kind of a version of, um, you know, the classic, like if you're walking through the mall and somebody comes up and tries to recruit you to be a model and then the first thing they do is try to get you to pay them to take their headshots, your headshots. It's like, uh, that's a scam buddy. Yeah, <laughs> you know? totally. uh, it's like, yeah, if you really want to help me, help me. Yeah. And if you provide me value, then I'm going to be willing to pay for it. And I have had a lot of really good people like that in my mm-hmm. life. Yeah. I do remember a time and it was 2013, a guy was helping me out. And I was probably the, the, the closest, if I, if not adver- uh, ad- advertently, uh, inadvertently, no, advertently, advertently. Is that right? Like, uh, I don't know. I approached somebody. Anyways, I, I kind of more approached him about kind of being in that mentor. intentionally, intentionally. Thank there you. you. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it kind of felt like it was sort of like got shot down, you know, too. And, yeah. And, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Actually. And I was like really disappointed. Mm hmm. Well, it's disappointing because it's, it's sort of like asking somebody to go on a date. Yeah. You know? Uh-huh. And they're like, no, I don't like you. Mm-hmm. That hurts. It does. I cried. Uh, don't you see my potential? <laughs> well, there is that part, too. I mean, again, I can see the useful aspect, too. It's like, it's like I have all this stuff inside. Don't you see it? You yeah, know? right. And, of course, you know, people can't necessarily see that. You know, it's like... Um, Although I think I'm, I think I can for the most part. I don't, I don't know if that's true or not. Hmm. Um, in other people, in or other you? people, yeah. yeah. I think that's something that um, has actually been one of my my strengths in in managing people is is uh, that sort of like what makes this individual special, you mm-hmm. know, and like what are they good at? So like we've always at Medici up until probably recently where we actually needed like specific jobs filled to, to accomplish a certain, uh, goal, um, was I created positions around people. So like, okay, well this person, we're going to call this job come a director of community relations. Why? Because it kind of spans across different things because, because <laughs> this person can do it. Mm-hmm. We can't hire somebody for this position. It's not like you have a role yeah. or you, in, you, you have a need for a role and you hire to that role. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's not needs need driven. Mm-hmm. It's, um, well, it's like, what is it? It's like fruit driven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> it's like, this person is really good at doing these things. Mm-hmm. Let's give them an official capacity in which to do that. Yeah. Which in general, it probably is, is two or three different jobs, but we can't hire those two or three different people. Mm-hmm. But this person has aspects of this, this, and this, so maybe we don't get the benefit of, of hiring three people in those positions, but at least that person has the capability to, to, to accomplish those aspects. You know? Right. Um, so I think that's something that I've done, done well at. And probably some people would probably say I push people a bit too hard mm-hmm. <laughs> in that area. It's like you expect too much out of me, but then also <laughs> I, I see them now and like how, you know, how well they're doing, you know, because no, of I don't too. expect enough. Of <laughs> totally. Yeah. 
That's another really interesting paradox. Maybe. Well, I just think about that. That's something that children say to their parents. You expect too much of me. Hmm. Well, is it that I expect too much of you? Or generally, I feel like when I fail my kids, it's that I don't expect enough of them. Hmm. It's, it's sort of similar to, you know, my what I was talking about where I, I tend to dominate in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. You know, I always do the dishes. Mm. I don't ever have my kids do the dishes. Mm. And primarily it's because I'm, it's the end of the night. I'm tired. I just want the dishes done <laughs> and I want them done right. Yeah. Without commotion, <laughs> without argument, uh-huh. right. Without commotion. <laughs> um, I want things to be put up where they belong so that when I wake up in the morning, I can find the coffee cup and mm-hmm. I can find, you know, the coffee and the, the stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and if I ask my kids to do the dishes, well, there's going to be a commotion. There's going to be an argument thing. The dishes aren't going to get clean mm-hmm. and the ones that are in the dishwasher aren't going to get put in the right place. And I'm going to be, you know, it's going to make my life hell essentially is what I'm saying, you know, but it's like, I'm doing my children a great disservice. Uh-huh by not expecting them to change that Hmm. to like do it and get better at it. It's like, you know, sometimes you do expect too much, but also sometimes you don't expect enough. Hmm. And I, I should give my kids the, the blessing and the benefit of expecting something of them. Hmm. You know, it's like, Well, it's like the, the conversation we we're having about parties and being social. It's like you need some structure over which to lay the social interaction. Mm-hmm. And I think when it comes to potential and growth, you need some structure in which to overlay that process and some structure within which to fail. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if failing is learning and I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm like, uh, jumping over my children's failure at doing the dishes by mm. just not allowing them to do it. I'm not letting them fail at it, which means they're never going to learn. Yeah. And that's a horrible disservice. Well, it's also, and a- it's selfish of me. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Totally. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, yes. I mean, there's no question about that. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting. Like when you, when you talk about, your kids versus, you know, uh, an employee or something like that too. It's like, there is that, there's a few different levels to that, that you see that in managing people. Like if you take on too many things, like that's something I've seen with managers over the years is when they come from like a barista to a manager, they kind of still function like a barista. And then they also like try to do too much, where they need to manage and be able to get other people to do those things. Cause then the baristas start to expect the manager to do all these things, which is actually it's their job to do that. And, and so you don't, you don't allow that the, the store starts to starts to uh, be dysfunctional because it doesn't allow the manager to do the, what the manager needs to be doing, which mm-hmm. is maybe like, you know, putting in invoices or waste logs and all the other things, whenever they're busy, you know, uh, cleaning out fridges or whatever it might What's be. What's a waste log? Oh, like, you know, if we have, if we, if we buy 50 tacos and we don't sell five. So you log a, that. We log, log the that. waste. Mm-hmm. And where does the waste go? Uh, in the trash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or that's what the baristas and I eat 
after the time goes away <laughs> into the trash, AKA my belly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, because there's that thing It's like, Oh, we have leftover tacos. It's like, instead of being like, no, we should only have two leftover tacos, not 10. Mm. And, but you can kind of get that mindset of like, well, that means more for us. It's right, like, right. Well, yeah, but that means that we just lost money on, Right. All the tacos we just bought. <laughs> and the prospect of all of us keeping our job is <laughs> a little bit more in danger. Uh, it's truly fascinating, amazing, like how much that does impact. Like, you know, you, you know, if you get 30 tacos and you don't eat 10, it's like that might mean that you just broke even on your That's tacos. your whole margin. Yeah, your whole margin yeah, is gone. was that 10 tacos. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Running on a 10 taco margin here. <laughs> basically. Uh, but yeah, there is something that, you know, and that if you don't allow people to do their job and what it entails, it's, it can kind of like, doesn't free you up to do the things that you, you could do, you know, mm. like even like, I mean, this is something that Alice and I picked up about two or three years, about 16 years too late, but <laughs> like we, we have the kids do the, you know, dishes at night. But the thing is, it's like Alice and I go sit on the porch mm. So we don't have to listen to all the bickering, <laughs> but we do have to accept that the dishes aren't going to be a hundred percent sparkling, you know, or, you know, when we come in, somebody hasn't, you know, swept the floor with it. Hey, you didn't sweep the floor. Come sweep the floor, you know, cause there's a, there's a, there's just the dishwasher and then there's hand wash. That's a good thing about having five kids. You, you <laughs> so dishwasher. You dishwasher, got a lot of hands. <laughs> this is the dishwasher has to go first, then the <laughs> hand wash. You know, wiper counter wiper has to go first before floor sweeper, and so sometimes the floor sweeper will just kind of forget that. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> it's like uh, sometimes the floor sweeper will just kind of forget. <laughs> but also, a good thing about having five kids is the other kids also remind each other <laughs> when they haven't done something. <laughs> So what you're saying is I just need to have more kids. <laughs> I just don't have enough kids. I, actually, no. I mean, was, I think I think it works with three. Yeah, I think two. No, three is two is problematic. Yeah, true. That's a, it's a lot of work for something about odd numbers. Yeah, odd numbers are a good thing. I think plus three is is works really well for yeah. for a family. Right to work to have that sort of teamwork. You have enough to you know, uh, the kids sort of shaming and guilting the others to like, <laughs> <laughs> that you don't have to do that yourself. No. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but yeah, it's something that there's something, there's a lot of those things where we have to kind of put the work in up front, you know, and then it might pay, it might pay off, <laughs> you know, two or three months down the road, you know, but it's going to, I mean, yeah, I mean, I just, I see it so much that in like, you know, with Medici and stuff is like, you know, when a barista first starts, it takes them about two or three months really to get a, a hold on things, you know, and you can't expect them to be a, a three month barista mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. week two, you know? Right. So you kind of have to allow those, those failings, you know, and those, that learning curve, but you also have to know how, how far and how hard to push, uh, to get them to that proficiency that a three-month barista should have you know mm-hmm. um, to challenge them and stuff like that but that's kind of like i guess in anything which like again a good mentor understands i think that process you know mm-hmm. hey you're not there right now that's totally fine right. it's totally good 
How about you just kind of focus on this part of it? Right. Or, hey, you're distracted with, with all these things. What, what, what do you really need to focus on right now? Hmm. Yeah. I think that would, that's, that would be really helpful. Yeah, there's something about, well, it's like understanding trade-offs. Hmm. So <clears throat> I'm working with someone right now who really wants to do everything with excellence, mm-hmm. to do everything right. And he has the cap- capacity and capability to do that. Mm-hmm. The problem is that sometimes doing everything with excellence and doing it right means you don't meet business goals. Mm. And you have to trade off. You have to trade off and say, like, what's the appropriate amount of quality for the current goal? Mm-hmm. Or what's the appropriate number of quality things to include in the current goal? Mm. It's like, you know, to use the coffee shop analogy, it's like, well, we want to do coffee and people should have something to eat. So they should have tacos, but lunch is coming. And so we should probably do like sandwiches and maybe some charcuterie, you know, and then the classic example I think is the, the business that tries to be a coffee shop in the morning in a bar at night. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it almost always fails. Yeah. You know, <laughs> totally. and it's like, why is that? Why can't we just be good at everything? Mm-hmm. It's like coffee in the morning, beer at night. It's like obvious. Mm-hmm. Everybody likes coffee in the morning and beer at night. Let's just give them what they want, but it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, and we could go down the road of analyzing why that is. But I think why that is, is because there are trade-offs, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the, the mentor, I think knows about the trade-offs and says, mm-hmm. The fact that you want to be good at everything is, is, is like a great asset, mm-hmm. but you will fail if you try to be good at everything. Mm-hmm. That's the trade-off. That's the problem. Or, or just plain mediocre. So, yeah. <laughs> or just plain mediocre, uh, which is as good as failure. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, I, I talked about like the, all the businesses I've started, mm-hmm. none of them were actual failures. Mm-hmm. They were all profitable, mm-hmm. but they all went under, you know? which is actually a pretty big success story because most startups never reach profitability. A lot of um, actually like current massive businesses aren't even profitable. <laughs> is Uber profitable yet? No. Yeah, that's so crazy. Yeah. Um, so profit of even a dollar is impressive. Mm-hmm. But I think it's, it's the wisdom of saying... You can't be good at everything, so let's choose what you should be good. Let's choose what you should be good at right now Mm -hmm. so that we can keep having the conversation about what to be good at next month Mm -hmm. because otherwise there won't be a next month. Mm -hmm. So we're going to trade part of what you could be good at now Mm. for the longevity of getting to actually, you know, like try at it next month, Mm -hmm. you know, or, or next quarter or next year. Yeah. Yeah, there is such a. There, the, I think that's the hard thing too. Is like the the trade off part is. It's like yeah, we're gonna reach that goal, but it's gonna be six months later than what you are are wanting that to be. So we might like reach that goal seventy five percent of the way, but we're still launching. But we're still gonna launch it, but we're gonna meet that goal six months after we've launched. And it's like, well, we can't open if it's not perfect. It's like, mm-hmm. Well. 
if we wait for it to be perfect, we'll never open. We'll never open, or we're going to run out of budget. Yeah, I think that's a hard thing. Like I remember every time I open a store, it's like uh, uh, there's a few instances where uh, they wanted this, uh, this. One person wanted to have like this three week training program and get everybody to a certain proficiency. And I was like, I have, I got a loan for this. We are in the end of this loan. This needs to open so that we have revenue coming in <laughs> and then we can build up to that. But it was just sort of like, Oh, but you're sacrificing quality and all this kind of stuff. I was like, it's like, no, well, we're going to be just fine. <laughs> right. And it's like, yeah, I think that's, I think that's a hard, the hard thing to balance. It's like, it's still good to have that goal of excellence, but it might be like a, a, uh, a different type of time frame that you need to achieve that with. So I want to meditate on this for a second. Like mm-hmm. we won't open, but if you wait to open until it's perfect, mm-hmm. then you'll never open. And we could, you know, we don't have to stick on the sort of like coffee shop analogy. It could be the mm-hmm. same with, um, you know, if I wait to release the record until it's perfect, mm-hmm. I'll never release it. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you wait to move into the house until the, the new new construction is perfect, you'll never move into it. And it's not because perfection isn't um, achievable mm-hmm. so much as it is a testament to the fact that the trade-off costs of time cause the party to end before you can ever reach it. Mm-hmm. It's also a testament to, I think, the creative capacity of the human imagination and human consciousness because what constitutes perfect Mm -hmm. the second you so like if you lay out what would be perfect the second you reach it your definition of it changes Mm -hmm. because you can always imagine something better Mm -hmm. and that's an incredible thing about the human imagination it's also an incredible achilles heel because Mm -hmm. you can feel like you're never reaching it yeah I feel like you see that in those like sort of Michelin star type of uh, documentaries or even in uh, uh, what's that one that uh, shoot. Oh, he, he was a Michelin star and he got in drugs and then he came back burnt. Do you, uh, do you oh, watch burnt? burnt? Yeah. With um, Bradley Cooper, Bradley Cooper. Yeah. yeah. yeah like it that was a good movie. I forgot about such that. Such a good movie. I, I, I'll have to go back and watch it. It's, it's one of those ones, like every time I remember it, I go back and watch it. And I'm like, I remember when that came out, actually, you and I both watched it and, uh-huh. ta- and like geeked out over it. Yeah. About how good it was. But there is that sort of thing. It's like you have a budget to reach that perfection, you know? And I think that's one thing, but that's so rare mm-hmm. to have a budget to sort of take the time and effort to, reach that sort of perfection but also you've had somebody you have you're working with a team that has experience and understand what that is because they've done it before you know mm-hmm. <clears throat> but at some point you have to open up and you're gonna you're going to experience the chaos of opening and it's not going to be perfect right. you know so it's like it's, it's some sort of balance between like your budget and capabilities and at what point are you going to unleash the chaos that you're going to have to tame, <laughs> right. you know, cause you'll not, you will not like be able to tame the chaos without actually opening, without doing it, without releasing it mm-hmm. before then. It's just an idea. It's a concept. It's, it's, it's not tangible. And it's like, until it's in the real world, then the real world tells you 
what its faults are. <laughs> right. And I don't think it's, it's, uh, uh, there's hardly a release of anything that has that sort of like, um, perfection to it. maybe iPhones. I don't know if that early iPhones were perfect, not perfect, but like it had that sort of like appearance of perfection. Mm-hmm. Um, well, no, I, I don't know if you remember, but like there was iPhone gate. Mm-mm. So the first iPhone came out and they hadn't designed it, uh, the antenna. Oh, they, yeah. they had sort of focused their design efforts everywhere else except for the cellular, cellular reception. Mm-hmm. And so the cell reception was terrible. I remember that now, yeah. It was iPhone gate. They actually, so I bought the first iPhone. Mm-hmm. They bought back every single first iPhone. Jeez. And replaced them. Mm-hmm. They had to fix it. That's a steep cost to pay mm-hmm. for a trade-off that you didn't see coming. Yeah. Another um, great example in the business world of, of trade-offs. There was a, a streaming service pre-Spotify and pre-Apple Music Streaming. Mm-hmm. Those are the two juggernauts now. But there was a, a service called RDO. And actually, oh. Apple bought RDO and shut it down. Or in, like incorporated some of it into Apple Music or whatever. But RDO was beautiful. It was an incredible user experience. Visually, it was stunning. I loved it. And like the the music discovery feature was incredible. Um, The problem is that margins in streaming services are razor thin. Actually, I don't think Spotify is profitable Mm -hmm. right now. I know a couple of years ago they weren't profitable. and, Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if that's still true. But, you know it's like everyone uses Spotify. How could it not be profitable? Well, yeah. it's like the margins are razor thin and it's really interesting because you know, every once in a while it'll crop up. Like, um, there'll be some movement of artists complaining about how little they get paid from Spotify. And I think it's like, yeah, you get paid very little, but also like Spotify makes nothing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, where's what part of the pie would you like more of? <laughs> um, zero right. or 1%. <laughs> what part of zero Point would zero. you like more of? Um, but anyway, RDO went out of business despite the fact that it was an excellently designed and, and built application. Mm. And I remember reading a postmortem on that, that, um, that company after they went out or I guess they, they went out of business. I think they declared bankruptcy and Apple bought their IP. I think that's what happened. Mm. And essentially they, the company was started and run by designers and entrepreneurs and builders. And no one at the company ever thought essentially to market it. Mm. Like it basically its usage and adoption was spread by word of mouth, mm-hmm. which is like gold, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the entrepreneur world, if you can have your, your product spread by word of mouth, it's like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an amazing thing. They hit an amazing thing. Problem is that the profit margin was so razor small. That wasn't enough mm-hmm. and they never marketed it. And so they, the adoption never reached a critical mass to where they could keep the lights on. Mm-hmm. And that's like a, it's like they failed to see the Mm trade-offs and they failed to hire to their deficiencies and see their deficiencies. Because I feel like I remember you telling me this at Fido one time about this and, and it was basically, it was like an in, in club too. It's like, 
other designers and engineers. Right. It was like, it was like all of them were like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. But like common people like me, <laughs> didn't I don't know, even know who they, they didn't know to care. I didn't even know anything about it until you mentioned it. And right. I still didn't. I didn't download it or anything. I don't know if they were still and, in. And that's why they but, failed. Mm-hmm. It's like they hit within a certain crowd, mm-hmm. but they never thought to tell other people. And the problem with the design and engineering crowd is like they tend to be very much in a bubble. Mm-hmm you know, with their like kind, Mm -hmm. they tend to be more introverted. They tend to be more interested in, you know, they're sort of like, um, well, it's like, you know, there's a bubble in the community of like high art, Mm -hmm. like art museums and galleries and stuff. It's like, because the the random person off the street, it's not going to make any sense to them. Mm -hmm. So you like attracts like, Mm -hmm. and I think it's the same in the design and engineering community. You know, if you're an engineer, how, you know, how do you talk to somebody about what you do when that person that you're talking to is a chef or something? Mm -hmm. It's like, you don't understand any of the jargon, any of the terminology. It's like, I have to catch you up on so much Mm -hmm. in order to have a conversation with you. So you tend to sort of like flock to the people that are like you, Mm -hmm. you know? So they didn't market it. It's like, they didn't tell the external people about it and they never, and so they didn't survive. Mm. Which is interesting. I I, I, th- I I don't know if I can think of another example, but very. There's been a lot of times recently I've thought about this analogy of, like, you don't light a candle and hide it under a bowl. Mm. That's not how it's said. It's, it's something yeah. biblical, right? It's like hide under a thistle. No, I'm gonna let it. Shine. I'm gonna let it shine, right? Yeah, uh, the the moral there is. If you have something good, tell mm-hmm. people about it. Mm. And that's actually really hard, mm. which is why we have to, you know, like encode it in this story, this parable, because it's hard. You have to be told to tell people about what's good. Well, honestly, it kind of circles back to what we were talking about, like introverts and extroverts at the beginning. You know, I think that's something that, you know, I've seen with Dave, it, like, he'll tell you why this person you're meeting is amazing, you know, or other experts I know that'll be like, you know, they have a way of kind of bringing it. It's like, Oh, Hey, come here meet my friend, Michael, who is, you know, owner of Medici. And like, he has the best coffee in Austin. And like, you know, he'll expound or maybe, uh, blow things out of proportion, you know, but like they have a way of like, sort of like, you know, marketing you as like, Hey, you need to meet this person. You know why? Because they're amazing. (laughs) You know, it's like, (laughs) and it's, it's something like you kind of need that personality where it's like, for me, it's like you and I can geek out on something and, and know all about it. But like, I'm not going to go tell some random person about something, you know, (laughs) it's like, it's, it kind of would stay within a certain circle. You know, you need, you need that sort of that person who's going to maybe embellish a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, but because if you say it about yourself, you feel like you're egotistical oh, yeah. or bragging mm-hmm. or arrogant or something. Yeah. And then when Dave says it about you, mm-hmm. you feel oh, embarrassed. Oh, no, no, shucks. no, you're, 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 you're overblowing it. You know, yeah. you're exaggerating. Yeah. The, the truth is he's not. And you're like, Oh, but thank you. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so maybe, <laughs> To the point uh, that we made earlier about like switching conversations gracefully. It's like, I think another really important skill is to accept compliments gracefully. Hmm. Yeah. 
like to actually accept them, mm-hmm. not deflect them, not say you're exaggerating. Oh mm-hmm. no, you're being too kind. It's like, no, yeah. you're right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm you know? squirming just, like I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, well, we brought it full circle back to introverts and extroverts. I think so. You need them all. That's, that's, that's the key. That's how to be successful. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's leave it there then. All right. Well, guys, thanks for uh, coming out to the shores. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Cheers. Love you all. Bye. I'm going in the shine. Did I get that off too fast? I was like, I'm going in the shine. That's profound. This little light of mine, I'm going in the shine.